Hello. Oh my gosh, now you sound normal. Yay. Hi. Great. It's fate. It's fate. It's all happening. Meant to happen. (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Oh my God, dude. I'm so nervous. (laughs) So nervous. I don't know why I'm so nervous either because like in all probability, nobody's going to listen to this. Which is totally fair. Which is totally fine. And like... I don't know. I'm still nervous. I know. I know. What if I say something offensive? Okay. Well, you know? I'm not going to give a shit if you say something offensive. So that's good. Don't worry about it. That, that calms my nerves. I appreciate you. Yeah. Unless you like talk shit about dogs or something, but otherwise like whatever. I would never have. Do you know me even a little bit? Yeah. Right. Oh, um, wow, dude. I'm so stoked about this. It's I happening. Do you have your wine? I do. I do. It's right here. It's a Merlot, or it's a um, Malbec. Wow. You're so fancy. I have my 2019 Diet Coke. Nice. It's a great year. Nice. Because I have stupid aspirin in my system. Mm. It's really uh, harsh and my mellow. That's a weird phrase, but I, I get what you're saying. I think I'm going to start using that a lot. I'm harsh in your mellow? Pro harsh in my mellow. Yeah. Sure. I do also have a glass of water with some, uh, some fresh 2019 ice cubes in it. Look at you um, staying hydrated. Chicago is hotter than hell. Yeah, I bet. How hot is it? Really, really quite. <laughs> um, here's the deal, too, is that I'm a little bit worried that I'm going to forget that I'm on the phone with you. Sure. You know, and that we're sure. like recording a thing. Like I'm sure. a little worried that I'm just going to think that I'm just hanging out in my house, like talking to just you. Uh, is that bad though? No. I mean, I guess that's kind of the goal, right? Oh, yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a thing to strive towards. You know? I mean more, I think a lot of people are going to hear or Maybe nobody will hear. So many people. Exactly. Or no one. How my brain works all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a little fun. That's a fun little kind of exciting yeah. heart attack. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> Anxiety is a delight. Oh, my God, dude. It's tell the you. best. Um, okay. So let's get down to business, Reagan. Let's do this. To Welcome do to Babe Towns, Taylor. Welcome to Babe Town. Welcome to Babe Town. To anybody listening, welcome to Babe Town. Mm-hmm. I'm Reagan. I'm Taylor. We're babes. We got bummed about reading the news all the time where everything is just a dumpster fire. We so we're going to start a thing talking about how cool ladies are. And, like, everybody knows about, you know, Amelia Earhart and, like, cool people like that and let's be real we'll probably hit on her too but wanted to start out with some some maybe lesser known ladies yeah heck yes cool do you want to hit on some lesser known ladies (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i guess that's not a great way to say that no it's the best i will also hit on amelia Earhart. let's do it (laughs) i mean yeah like i super want to hit on all these ladies because they're all hot cool ladies you know it's true do you want to go first do you want me to go first um i don't have a strong preference do you have a strong preference um when was your lady born 1789 oh shit you should go first mine's in 1900 so if we're going chronologically okay cool yeah yeah yeah. i'll go first okay buckle up paint me a word picture about a lady's life i will Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you the story of Dr. James Miranda Stewart Ferry. And you might think to yourself, Reagan, (laughs) James Miranda, that sounds like a man's name, to which I would tell you, don't interrupt. Because (laughs) Dr. James Miranda Stewart Ferry was born Margaret Ann Bulkley and is the first female-born human to practice medicine. Wow, dude. Good choice. Here we go. Okay. Um, Also, I should say at the top that there has been a lot of controversy lately over whether to refer to Dr. Barry as 
a she or as a he or as a they. There are, in all of my research, people tend to call them or refer to them by both or some of them jump back and forth. But as we cannot ask what their pronouns would have been or what, like, in what gender they would have identified as, I'm going to stick with they. Great. I love it. Keep it, keep it neutral. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So, 1789, Margaret Ann Bulkley is born to a poor, a poor family in Ireland. Her dad was a grocer, bless his heart, and uh, her mom raised the kids like a warrior. Great. Um, so when they were nine years old, the Irish Rebellion of 1798 happened that was inspired by the French and American revolutions. And the Irish are like, dude, we could do this too. Um, which I totally believe in them. But unfortunately in a few months it was squashed by the British. Uh, so that didn't go well, but. God, typical Brits, am I right? I mean, it's unbelievable. Why do they want to own everything? I guess the same could be said about America right now, which is a big bummer. Oh my God. Yeah. Everyone's the worst. So they were the ones that kind of encouraged them into education and specifically medicine. Well, then in 1806, James Barry, the uncle, dies. And that's when the plan is hatched. So the original plan was that they were going to study medicine and move to Venezuela and practice as a woman after the country was liberated. Unfortunately, okay. us being in the future, we know that that never happened. And Venezuela right. is in a lot of turmoil right now, and that really sucks. So... While this rebellion is going on, um, Margaret Ann Bulkley said to her brother, were I not a girl, I would be a soldier, which I think really mm. just, mm. just paves the way, you know? Mm. Yeah. Just, you know, set them on a career path. But, um, so Bummerville, whenever they're a teenager, they are raped by their uncle and Ooh. gave birth to a baby named Juliana that then their mother, Marianne, raised. Because okay. obviously, teenager, probably probably too young to raise a child, but might have been a yeah. choice. Who knows? It's a bummer all the way around. Um, but in the late teens, uh, they moved to London with their mother, who had a brother there named James Barry, who was a famous painter and royal academic. And they were tired of living in poverty in Ireland, which I guess I get... So they moved yeah. to London. Yeah. And James Barry has two friends. One is Lord David Stuart Erskine, the Earl of Buchan, or Buchan. Mm-hmm. Right. Name? And then. Wait, say that again. Lord David Stuart Erskine. Great. Okay. okay. Is it committed to memory? Do you got this? Yeah, I'm just trying to keep a cast of characters going. In oh, my head. well, okay. That makes sense. Uh, the other friend, the other best friend of the Uncle James Barry is General Francisco de Miranda, who is an exiled mm. Venezuelan radical, which, like, hell yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, from all accounts, these three men were like, dude, your niece is crazy talented and super smart. They should be in school. They should be doing all of these things. And I think, personally, because it's kind of right here, that they chose the name James Miranda Stewart Barry to honor those three men. But in 1809, three years after their uncle died, Margaret Bulkley is no more. And James Barry is reborn and <laughs> wears a constant overcoat, despite the weather <laughs> and three. Oh my God. I have never in my life heard something that spoke to my soul as deeply <laughs> as that. <laughs> Never in my life. I think it was more to cover up. I was just talking today. Gender. Oh, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. But but also, maybe they were just a chilly person. (laughs) You know? I'm doing it because I'm a lizard. (laughs) They are doing it because they live in backwards They live in 1809 and want to be seen as a human. It's crazy. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, I get it. Okay, so not exactly. But, the same. but like you get it. Um, right. <laughs> then they also wear three inch shoe inserts. And okay. they decided to fudge the age to cover up the really high voice and smooth skin because there was no getting rid of that. 
It sounds like you are describing three kids in a in an overcoat standing on <laughs> yes. yeah standing on each other's yes. trying to sneak into a movie. That's essentially what it was. Okay. Um. So these three kids stacked three on top of each other. Sorry, I'm so. Yeah, I'm just picture so just picture these. like the overcoat and then go go boots. The rest of the story. Wow, I love it. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Continue. I'm so No, I love I, it. I, I love it. This, this is my favorite story of all time. I'm also Great. convinced that Dr. Barry is a time traveler. And I even okay. went to Reddit because I was like, of all people to agree with me, it'll be Reddit. <laughs> and no one agrees with me. There there the search resulted in nothing. But I'm I'm convinced <laughs> they're a time traveler. So Okay. Everybody get on that starter on reddit page it'll be fine (laughs) um so then they moved to Edinburgh and enrolled in med school and people kept being like I'm pretty sure that person is too young then good old Lord David Stuart Erskine would step in and be like no 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 they're fine and then everybody was like okay that's that's dope um so they graduated at 22 years old immediately enlisted in the army where they were told they were too young, but eventually allowed to serve. Cause I guess they were like, no, nah, we need the people. Um, and by the way, another female born person wouldn't practice medicine for another 50 years. And another transgender person wouldn't practice for a hundred years. How crazy is that? A hundred years. Holy shit, dude. That is quite seriously like way before way before everything anyway it's bonkers wow okay so on july 16th in 1813 they were made a hospital assistant in the british army and then soon promoted to assistant staff surgeon which is apparently equivalent to a lieutenant um i don't know what lieutenant means so i don't know <laughs> this is great what a high honor that is i don't know but good i mean soon promoted that sounds kind of high. Yeah, like, from all accounts, they were a great surgeon and just, like, a really yeah. smart human being. Uh, had incredible bedside manner. And then one of their fellow doctors said that he had a smooth face and a high-pitched voice, but there was no doubt about his skill as a doctor. <laughs> like, wow. there's something fishy about, but, you know, <laughs> they're still really good at this. I, like, I really like that everybody is just like, yeah. This is I what mean, a strange fella. Who cares? Yeah. Whatever. As long as they can do medicine, that's the thing that should matter. Interesting. It is, it is the thing Isn't that, that like crazy? Huh. Uh, so in 1816, they are sent to Cape Town, South Africa, where they serve for 10 years. Okay. Um, while they're there, they meet Lieutenant General Lord Charles Henry Somerset which we're just going to call Somerset the rest of the time because everybody's got 75 names in this story. Right. Um, Yes. So Somerset's like basically in charge at this point. And sorry, can I step in for a second? Do, are they going by at this point, are they going by James Miranda Stewart or are they still? Yes. Yes. Okay. Shortened just Dr. James Barry is the, the common name that they are going by, but the full proper name would be James Miranda Stewart Barry. Buried. Sweet. Okay. Um, So it said that following the successful, even spectacular treatment of Somerset's sick daughter, Barry was welcomed into the family and becomes besties with Somerset pretty much immediately. So then in 1822, Somerset makes them colonial medical inspector, which is apparently a huge jump from lieutenant person. Okay. Uh, Somerset also said that they are the greatest physician I've ever met, but absurd in absolutely everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Which is my favorite thing. That's the best way to describe (laughs) anybody. Fantastic surgeon. Bonkers in every other way. Amazing. (laughs) So at some point they moved in to one of Somerset's private residences and everybody starts like asking questions. You know, the the gossip starts a buzzing to the point yeah. that someone made a poster that said "buggering Doctor Barry." 
Whoa. They were real upset about it. Um, and so then commissions were set up to investigate, and then both of them were later exonerated because nobody could prove anything. But everybody's right. pretty Holy sure shit. that Somerset and Barry were doing some buggering. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you, and people, were, people pissed. were pissed. Like, who fucking well, cares? I mean, Somerset oh. was married and had, like, six kids. Oh. So that oh. could be a... I, I don't think that's why they were upset. I think they were upset because they were like, these two men. Um, right. Because who cares about the, the lady in the situation? Anyway. Right. But who knows? Because there's also, so, okay, if we're going to get into this, Somerset was married twice yeah, and there was a six-year gap. And so I couldn't find any dates. I don't know if they were getting freaky in the gap or after the Oh, like they, like he was married and then got divorced and then they I think she in between and then just kept hooking I th- up? Yes. I think first wife died okay. and then, oh, and then okay. they started hooking up and then Somerset got married again, but I don't know. I couldn't find dates on any of that. So th- there may have been no shady business. Who knows? Okay. Um, do, 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 do. They're exonerated. Got it. So. In July of 1826, Dr. Frickenberry performs the first successful C-section where the mom and the baby survive in any English-speaking country. Ever. Dude. The first one. Uh, the baby was named James Barry Munich. Munich. Um, and then the name was passed down in that family to a later prime minister of South Africa was named J.B.M. Hertz. So like huge wow. deal. They named they named the baby after Yeah, they named the baby after Dr. Barry. And then that became like a family name. Because wow, the the mom amazing. and the baby both survived. Crazy. Um so Dr. Barry was also this is why I think they were a time traveler is they were super into like sanitation and clean water. And in the 1800s nobody gave a shit. Right, that's not really This was, I literally read a quote that was like, in the 1800s, England's population increased, but the toilets didn't. (laughs) 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 So, like, human waste ended up in cesspools and piles and the streets and garbage was in the rivers. And it was just, like, all the doctors are about correcting the humors of the body and the spirits and the blood. And Dr. Barry was like, no, let's be clean about this. Right. Which, like, time traveler. So anyway, huge social activist. They visited, like, the poor and leper colonies. Um, Prisoners insisted on clean water, better food and treatment for the leper colonies and the prisoners. Um, And they spoke out against the mismanagement of barracks and prisons, asylums, um, better food for everyone involved. Like, the whole nine yards. They built a better water system in Cape Town. And treated rich, poor, colonist slaves, everybody. Like, was so far ahead of everything at that time. And just a wonderful human. Um, So then in November, November 22nd, my mom's birthday. uh, In 1827, though, so way before my mom, uh, they were promoted to surgeon to the forces. Which sounds pretty important. Dude, that's... That is badass time right? number one. Surgeon to the forces. How crazy. Yeah. Surgeon so cool. Forces. Mm, okay. So then the next year in 1828, they're sent to Mauritius. I think is how you pronounce it. It's an island in the Indian Ocean, in East Africa. Okay. Um, where a fellow surgeon had Barry arrested and court-martialed on, under, quote, conduct unbecoming of an officer and a gentleman. What does that mean? Okay, so I should mention. Um, Dr. Barry, other than the dynamite bedside manner, had a super short hot temper through medicine bottles. Um, They were, quote, quarrelsome and touchy. Barry went hunting, danced with the prettiest girls, and even challenged a fellow officer to a duel. Fortunately, they both missed. (laughs) Um, I love them. Isn't that amazing? I... (laughs) Reagan, it is impossible to me that I've never. I heard know. Of I know.
Wow. Okay. I just even challenged a fellow officer to a duel. Fortunately, they both missed. Like, can you imagine that drunken encounter? <laughs> I'm just picturing, like, anything that happens at, like, a shitty dive bar only... Like, instead of yelling, like, you're a dick. They're like, right. your conduct, sir, is unbecoming <laughs> of an officer and a gentleman. Uh, man, that makes me get in a bar fight. Just, just so to say, say yes, I could not agree more. Mm. Um, so anyway, they had that, he, they were, they were court-martialed. The other, the fellow surgeon had a, blah, blah, blah. Um, found not guilty. Everything's fine. So then after that, they kind of bounced around the West Indies and Malta, and they were, it felt like every couple of years, moved to another place. And then, bam, 18, the Crimean War breaks out, which okay. I read a little on, and it is such a hot mess of a war. <laughs> it's like everybody involved was just like, Russia, can you, can you not? And Russia's like, no, we're gonna. It was just terrible. Um, so then my other favorite you know, quote, at least Russ has been consistent though, right? <laughs> That's true. Like, good news. Like they're, they're not pretending to be anything no, other than what they they've are. They've been super consistent. Yeah. Um, so the quote that I, I, ah, arguably one of my favorites. I don't know. They're also so good. Barry hurried off to the battlefront where he met and was rude to Florence Nightingale. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Which then there I was watch a movie of just that encounter. Uh, good news, there's a movie coming, but we'll get there. It's in pre-production. What? I know, I know, I know. I was gonna save it to the end, but we're we'll get there. Oh my god! Uh, there was also a quote from Florence Nightingale that I don't have it, but I think she called them like a beast or <laughs> something like that. It was pretty great. Um, so then in 1857, they're made inspector general in charge of military hospitals, which is apparently the same as being a brigadier general, which I also don't know what that means. <laughs> okay. So moving on up, it seems. Um, so while doing all of this, they visited the jail and reported bad conditions and poor medical care because obviously... Which pissed the 1800s. Yes. Which then pissed off prison officials because they're like, how dare you? How, how dare you? <laughs> so they took Barry to court where Barry refused to take an oath or answer any questions. <laughs> so they he stole them. Just, yeah. Just silent treatment. Wow. Just don't, I mean, stone cold stare. Mm. Uh, so they lost their inspector general title. Which okay. is a bummer. So then they're sent to Canada. Where they, again, spoke up about the state of hospitals, the poor food for the soldiers, and my particular favorite, the bumpy sleigh rides over the ice, which, like, (laughs) I get it. Like, you have so many other things to complain about, though. But, like... It's 1800s Canada. What do you expect? (laughs) That's true, but, like, it would make me... What do you expect? It would make me so grumpy. Yes, I guess that's A bumpy sleigh ride, I mean, just... I guess that's fair. I get it. Yeah, wow. What a life, you know? I mean, I don't know. I feel like watching people throw literal shit out of their windows would make me a little grumpier. Which that, that I mean, they were grumpy about that you know? too. But like driving over ice in Alaska right now makes me grumpy. And that's, yeah, that's the story of Margaret Ann Bulkley, a.k.a. Dr. James Miranda Stewart Berry, time traveler. <laughs> Jeez, dude. Way to kick it off strong. Thanks, dude. I'm a huge fan of the story. <laughs> While in 1800s Canada, they caught bronchitis and influenza. Uh, so they fucked right off back to London. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, never mind. Yeah, just, I'm out of here. Place this place is really the worst. <laughs> um, so then July 25th, 1865, Dr. James Berry died of dysentery that they think that they caught abroad. Um, their last In Canada? No, probably in like... Or just... <laughs> the other... All the other... Like <laughs> islands that they bounced about all to. the other places that they went. It was just dormant in Canada, let's say. Okay, because that's a thing, right? Dysentery can be dormant. I, you know, I don't know shit about dysentery. Let's, no pun intended. Let's call. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> uh, let's call up. This podcast will kill you, and I'm sure they will have an answer. Great. 
Let's do it. We'll get him on the phone right now. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, so their last wish, their dying wish, the person who is the hero of sanitation. Oh no. Was to be buried in the clothes they died in without being washed. <laughs> Why? Because gender. Oh. Right. Yes. Right. Which absolutely didn't happen because the nurse who cleaned the body was like, curious George over here. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, and apparently, oh, no. like, some people and some of their friends, like, suspected and were waiting for a deathbed secret to be revealed. But Barry was tight-lipped the entire time and was just like, no, bury me filthy. I'm, I'm me. And that's oh. it. I know. Um, that's my heart. But then Curious George over here cleaned the body and found not only female anatomy, but the classic stretch marks of a pregnancy from when Juliana was born. Oh, oh my God. I know. So a man named Major McKinnon signed the death certificate and said of Barry's gender that quote, it was none of his business. I know. Oh my God. I know. It's just the best. So Dr. Barry lived for almost 60 years as a man. And there's some records say that they lived as a female in their private life, but I, I don't know how I couldn't find anything that seemed super legitimate that said that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how accurate that is, but I just, that like they, their nine-year-old wish of being a soldier absolutely happened and they <sighs> killed it. And it's just, oh my God. yeah. Wow. It's just the best. Do you want me to tell you where I learned this or would you rather wait to the end to do that? And then a lot of the, so Allison Flood wrote an awesome article for The Guardian um, that's called A New Novel About Dr. James Barry Sparks Row Over Victorian's Gender Identity. And that was what kind of like, I started to notice that everybody was jumping back and forth in how they referred to them gender-wise. Yeah, sure. Source your shit. Okay. Uh, well, as always, our friend Wikipedia, classic. Yeah. Um, classic. A person named Bryn Holland wrote a dope article on history.com that was great. Also, a lot of this, like a lot of the sassy quotes came from the Cape Town History Tourist Guide, which is hilarious to me. There's also an incredible article on war history online called (laughs) James Barry, the girl who became a man fought with Florence Nightingale. (laughs) Wow. Because obviously. That is quite the title. Right? Uh, there's that. a bunch of books about them, um, in particular, The Secret Life of Dr. James M. Barry. I read somewhere that there was a play called Becoming Dr. Barry, but I couldn't find it anywhere, and I don't know who wrote it, so I don't know if that's actually a thing. There's also a YouTube video called Badass Bitches of History that features them. Okay. And there's a movie in pre-production starring one Rachel Weiss as Dr. James <gasps> Barry. Okay. Yeah, I'm real stoked. Wow. That's my stuff. Jeez, boom, boom, boom. Now, I've got to go. now I get to sit back and relax. Oh, this is the best. Okay, well, I'm going to hang up now. <laughs> Goodbye. This is your way of tricking me into just like the podcast is just me telling stories. <laughs> um, also, you got quiet again, but I'm just, it was good timing, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So, you don't need to hear my, my quips anymore. <laughs> Okay. You ready? Tell me a story. Oh, you might I'm ready. Great. Okay. Good. Hi. Hi. Okay. Um, my story, it's funny because we both did scientists. Um, Heck yes. Mine is a lady named Cecilia Payne Gasposhkin. Whoa. Heard of her? No, but what Gasposhkin? Yeah, right? Okay. So I'm not really going to say Gasposhkin a lot because... She wrote all of her papers and was known in Harvard as just Cecilia Payne. So okay. I'm going to stick with that. Um, and that's her Payne. Um, I love it. Okay. So Cecilia Payne, born in Wendover, England in 1900. Um, her father was a barrister, which I found out is a fancy name for a lawyer. 
Uh, oh. Yeah, right? Okay. He died when she was four, so he's not really oh. in this story. Bummer. Um, okay. Mom was an artist. Um, I wrote down she hooked a girl up with some literature. Um, Heck yes. The first book that her mom ever read to her was Homer's Odyssey, right? So, like... Damn, mom. Yeah, this mom and her kid are, like, two smart ladies that are just, like focused in 1900 England on like getting as much knowledge as possible and it's super awesome so she knew Latin by the time she was 12 so go ahead and get on that Reagan you're a few years yeah I'll I'll jump on um one of she was super influenced as a teenager by Isaac Newton who you know famously discovered gravity um Thomas Huxley promoted Darwin's theories of evolution so Cecilia Payne was like, these two dudes are like her inspiration, right? So she, Damn. in 1919, she won a scholarship to Newnham College at Cambridge. She started studying out botany and physics. Um, and this is where I picture like, like a movie montage of her like going to college in Cambridge. And she's wearing like cute 1919 era, like dresses and shit. And then she's like, can there be like, like flapper big band music in the background totally Totally. you know what i mean yeah so she's like strolling jazzy and she's like i'm hot shit and she like sees this lecture led by sir arthur eddington right so eddington is like one of cambridge's like foremost astronomers and he's giving this awesome lecture about albert einstein's theory of relativity right so celia payne's like yeah i'll go sit in on that so she goes into this lecture and is like smitten with the whole idea of astronomy she's like this is what i've got to be doing with my life i love it dope so four years later in 1923 she finishes her studies at cambridge but because she's a lady cambridge doesn't didn't i shouldn't say doesn't because i'm sure it's different than it was in the early 1900s but fingers crossed grant degrees to ladies so they could take class but they couldn't get an actual degree so she's like all right cool well i want to be a female astronomer scratch that she's like i want to be an astronomer and i happen to be a female so she's right, like right. all of my opportunities will be better in good old usa so she applies for and wins the pickering fellowship so Damn. the pickering fellowship is a scholarship specifically for women wanting to study astronomy at this point it was like a brand new program like nobody was in this program yet um, it's specifically so that you could go to Harvard and like work and learn and, and, and research and study on astronomy. Right. So she wins the scholarship. Um, she's only the second person to be admitted into this new fellowship along with another lady named Adelaide Ames, who's not really in this story, but a really adorable tidbit that I found out about both of them uh-huh. together at the observatory. They became known as the heavenly twins Oh, <laughs> and they were like cute gal pals that like were super that. smart and like changing the world they're like do you love orion's belt i love orion's belt Dude, do you so much i love orion's belt so cool yeah so um celia starts working and studying at the harvard observatory and that's where she spent the rest of her career was at the harvard observatory um, uh-huh. so she gets there when she's 23 and then spends the rest of her career there which is like pretty incredible Um, Yeah, dude. She was admitted after a short correspondence with the um, newly appointed director of the Harvard Observatory, Harlow Shapley. Um, So Harlow Shapley is like in the story a bunch and he's great. He's just great. There's a couple of dudes in this story and like a lot of them are like early 1900s dudes. But like Harlow Shapley Uh is like he's peak, peak good dude. Right. So nice. So nice. Okay, a little bit of a science break because we're talking physics and economy. (laughs) So, to break it down. So, in the early 1800s, um, astronomers had developed a sequential classification that categorized stars according to their temperature. Okay. Around the same time, an Indian astronomer physicist and astronomer named Meghnad Saha had developed an equation that linked atoms to stars. So he suggested that, I mean, I don't know how they got it on the glass. Glass photographs taken of the night sky. Um, I'm sorry, glass photographs? Yeah. Okay. So Harvard 
had, quote, several hundred thousand glass photographs of the night sky taken over a period of 40 years. So So does that... It was basically like... And then transferred it to glass. Yes. I'm going to... But like they took a photograph on a camera with a camera. Woof. So she gets her PhD from Radcliffe College. Or printed it on glass. Cool. Big old giant question mark. Sure. Yeah. So... Harvard has all these glass photographs. I think this was like a pretty standard way of like observing and um, what's the word? Like analyzing. Study. Astronomy, right? Can you imagine accidentally like shattering one of those? Oh my God. So funny that you say this. So Harvard had all of these, right? Um, This says many of the glass images portrayed the stars as points of light while others splayed starlight into strips or spectra marked by naturally occurring lines that revealed the elements that the stars were made of. Okay. Cool. Right. So it's like a, um, like a little, you know, line thing that like shows you what elements are made of. Clearly Cecilia Payne is a lot smarter than I am because this did not confuse her at all. (laughs) She's like, yeah, for sure. She's We're like, like yeah, me, me too. Either. Me too. Um, okay, so Cecilia Payne gets to Harvard with Harlow Shapley, right? She sees all of these hundreds of thousands of glass photographs of the night sky. And she makes the joke that she's worried to pick one up because she doesn't want to break it. And Harlow Shapley, Understandable. Harlow Shapley just laughs and says, if you break it, you can go ahead and take it home because, like, we're not going to use it after that. Like, he's, like, super chill <sighs> with everything, right? He's just like, yeah, all right. Like, yeah, yeah, don't break it. But, like, if you do. It's... But, like, if you do, you're not fired. Right. Like, eh, it'll happen. Like, it's fine. Um, so Cecilia Payne is, like, looking at these these lined glass photographs, right? And she's building off uh-huh. of this idea that there's a sequential classification of stars according to temperature and that this Indian um, astrophysicist had suggested that these line patterns are different depending on that temperature, right? So um, his idea was basically that if the star was hot enough, electrons would break free from certain elements and leave behind signature ions. So you could, you could better tell exactly the percentages that certain elements made up of stars right so cecilia payne took both of these ideas and kind of mashed them together and was like okay well let's figure out exactly what our hottest stars are made of and like that way we'll know more what the composition of like the sun and all the stars are right so she took hundreds of these plates and spent so much time dissecting each one of them calculating out elements and plotting out elements and figuring out which one appeared in within each spectrum, which is one line on these glass plates, right? So just like an insane amount of time. Um, it became the basis for her 1925 thesis called Stellar Atmospheres. And so it was her doctoral okay. thesis um, where she basically, she basically made a lot of really groundbreaking assertions. <laughs> so she said that um, the biggest thing to come out of this paper was that her assertion are stars are mostly comprised of hydrogen and helium and this was like huge news because up until then everyone had just kind of assumed that stars were made out of the same thing that the earth was made out of it was like i don't know fire yeah it was just like kind of assumed that like the same basic elements made up stars is made up the earth and this is really confusing to a lot of people because hydrogen and helium are like famously really light elements yeah people were really confused when she was like yeah like that's what these are made of so um (laughs) it was so unexpected that harlow shapley her the director of the observatory was like hey so like i'm gonna publish this and this is like really exciting but also you're probably wrong like you're probably wrong this other dude, Henry Norris Russell, was a he was a renowned, renowned physicist and astronomer from Princeton. And this guy is like, yeah, yeah, super no. Like, that's not, you're not right. Like, it's improbably high. He wrote a letter to her in 1925 that said, it is clearly impossible that hydrogen should be a million times more abundant than the metals. Like, he's like, yeah, your paper sounds great, except for this thing. Like, that's not, that can't be the case, right? I just, I just keep picturing it as all these guys, like, she walks in, she's like, 
drops this bomb of a packet of papers and it's just like i figured it out it's helium i mean and they're all like yeah but yeah but we didn't know so no so i mean that's like almost literally what happened right so she's like hey this is what this is and they're all like uh uh probably not pretty sure it's like probably not though right so they they balk at it so much that they convince her to soften the language in her paper so um so they're like yeah like henry norris basically urged her to make it less of a definitive statement and more of like a like yeah the numbers looked weird this is what it could mean but like probably not right so yeah so she like softens up the language so that it's not super spooky to people that like this lady is just making all these crazy physics claims, right? So she almost publishes oh. it under C.H. Payne. But then I wrote down, <laughs> I wrote down, but then cool kid Harlow Shapley asks her, what are you ashamed of being a woman? So he, so he's like, yeah, okay. So she publishes it because he said Oof. that under Cecilia H. Payne. Like he was called out. He was immediately like, what are you doing? Like, no, you did this work. You did this. You did yeah. this work. Like publish it under your name. So he's pretty cool. Yeah, he's pretty cool. So even with the softer language, people were still super hyped about this discovery, right? Like, I mean, Uh even like Harlow Shapley, even Henry Russell, the people that convinced her to soften this up were like, yeah, like, you might be wrong. But even if you're wrong, you just showed us another little pocket of something that we don't know. So you're opening up another avenue of research. And that's cool. So like, let's get behind this, right? Um, Russian American astronomer Otto Struve at the time said that her thesis was quote undoubtedly the most brilliant PhD thesis ever written in astronomy like people are hyped about this right so um, that's so cool people were also hyped about it because there was just I mean it just showed like yeah we thought we knew what this was and now it turns out that we might not so like all these physicists are like fuck yeah it's nerd time like we to go nerd out a bunch of stars <laughs> let's get isn't that so cool that it's it's way better than when the church was like i'm sorry the what is the center of the universe yeah yeah this no we're gonna kill you for that yeah. all these physicists are like hyped right so um her thesis eventually earned her a phd from radcliffe college which is harvard's college for ladies because harvard proper didn't grant doctorate degrees to women at the time In the meantime, her paper and her assertion really bugged Henry Russell, this Princeton physicist. He's like, hmm, that can't be right. Like, there's no way that that's right. So he spends four years trying to determine on his own if her numbers were faulty because it just drives him crazy. He just can't handle that she was right. It's not that I don't think it's that he can't handle she was right. It's that he can't fathom the idea that it's anything other than what he already knows he's like so convinced that god have the same basic elemental makeup as the earth and okay got it got it is just so confused about it so after years of research he finally concedes in a paper titled on the composition of the sun's atmosphere for astrophysical journal in 1929 he finally says yeah okay she was right he references her paper. Oof. He references her 1925 paper and says that the abundance of hydrogen in stars, quote, can hardly be doubted. So um, the bummer thing about this is that he presented it with his four years of research. And despite referencing her thesis, he gets most of no. the credit. No. So, yeah. <sighs> so he ultimately got a lot of the credit at the time. Just because he had And like he only had to class. go to school once at one school. Yeah. So so after this, she continues working at the Harvard Observatory, but with this kind of ambiguous position because she was hired on when she first moved to Harvard, when she got the Pickering Fellowship, she was hired on as just kind of this like random technician staffer assistant to Harlow Shapley, right? So she kind of has the same ambiguous position until 1938. She got to Harvard in 1923. Oh she spends 15 God. years just researching and like writing groundbreaking papers for like. And they're like, I don't know. You're like a secretary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
So finally, finally, um, in 1938, she's granted the title of astronomer. <clears throat> None of the courses that she was teaching at Harvard were ever even recognized in the course catalog until 1945. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So finally, 1956, she's named professor, given the correct salary, and named chairman of the Department of Astronomy, which is the first she it makes her the first woman to hold a position at Harvard that was not previously designated for a woman. Wow. Which a it's gross that in 1956 there were positions that were designated for women. Yes. But also it's yes. cool that she's the first lady that got out of that. Broke that ceiling. So that's cool. Man. Um, that's super cool. So in a kind of fun little twist in 1976 Payne was the first woman to receive the Henry Norris Russell Prize of the American Astro- Astronomical Society. So this wow. dude has his own prize mm-hmm. at the Astronomical Society, and she fucking wins it. Good. Yeah, super good. Um, her thesis is now widely renowned. Richard Williams, writing for the American Physical Society in 2015, said, The giants, Copernicus, Newton, and Einstein, each in his turn brought a new view of the universe. Payne's discovery of the cosmic abundance of the elements did no less. Right? Right? I Dude. No, I know. I read that quote and, like, almost started crying. I was like, oh, my God. Dude. Oh, my God. She's so cool. So She finally got the recognition that she absolutely deserved from day one. Finally got it. Yeah. So Payne died in 1979 of lung cancer as a mother of three, feminist trailblazer, and Harvard legend. In an interview with the magazine Sky and Telescope, she said that nothing compares to, quote, the emotional thrill of being the first person in history of the world to see something or understand something. Oh, my God. Right. Right? So just as a final little thing, my favorite quote that I read of hers is, Young women, especially young women, young people, sorry, shit, no, I'm going to, I'm starting over. (laughs) I'm starting over. It's too good of a quote for me to mess up. Okay. Okay. Take two. Tell me this brand new quote I've never heard. My favorite quote of Cecilia Payne. Young people, especially young women, often ask me for advice. Here it is. Valet quantum, which I found out is fancy Latin because remember she spoke Latin. Because she spoke it when she was 12. It's fancy Latin for for what it's worth. That's what it means. Okay. Do not undertake a scientific career in quest of fame or money. There are easier and better ways to reach them. Undertake it if only, only if nothing else will satisfy you, for nothing else is probably what you will receive. Your reward will be the widening of the horizon as you climb, and if you achieve that reward, you will ask no other. What? Right? Can we make a shirt that says widening the horizon as you climb? I... No, I know. Oh my god. I know. So yeah. So that is the really awesome Cecilia story of Cecilia Payne Gasposhkin. Right. In the middle, yeah, in the middle I didn't talk about it because like there weren't a lot of details in the stuff that I read about her husband, and I also wasn't super focused on her husband, but she goes back to Germany before she I think shortly after she published her paper. She goes back Uh to Germany and meets a Soviet physicist who had fled to Germany because of his politics. He got run out of the Soviet. So they got married and she found a position for him at Harvard and they became this like badass physicist, astronomer, researching team and like made a whole bunch of discoveries as like a team together. You know how when couples have like a shorthand in their conversation Mm -hmm. can you imagine theirs oh my god so smart i wouldn't be able to understand what they were talking about even if they were spelling it out but then making the jumps that they could make Mm. man i know wow nerd couples for the win that's the funny thing is that like i read so much trying to like deeply understand her research and i can't i can't do it (laughs) no i no, I, I'm not even going to try. I was like, you know, I'm going to really boil down all the science in this because there's a whole lot of it. And I really like science, but I don't understand this. <laughs> I just don't. Um, so do you want me to source my shit? Yes, please. Okay. So um, I most of my information from this really incredible article in New York Magazine from 2016 written by Dava Sobel. 
um, called Astronomer Cecilia Payne's, quote, Impossible Theory About the Stars. Um, it's so good. It's so good. Um, she also, I got a lot of information, actually, from, like, snippets from her book that she wrote, um, just kind of about her life. And it's really incredible. Like, she has this really awesome piece where she talks about when Russell and Shapley got her to soften the language in her piece. Mm -hmm. She says specifically, like, you know, if you're a scientist and this is what you know to be fact, like, don't soften it. Just tell us what you know. if if you are confident in something just come out and say it so it's really great and I super recommend like looking up all that you can about this lady yeah Um, I also got a lot of information from Cosmos magazine which sounded like it was going to be Cosmo magazine but it's like Cosmos like Like the the, the heavens (laughs) and it was really confusing when I like saw that link pop up I was like what and then I opened it and I was like oh no I'm just Maybe it's a hybrid magazine written by the Heavenly Twins. Oh, wow. Wouldn't that be nice? That's what I'm choosing to believe now. <laughs> facts don't matter. That's what I'm choosing to believe. Facts don't matter. <laughs> if, if we've learned anything today, it's the facts don't matter. Um, so that one is just a little quick article um, that was there highlighted this week in science history. Um, and it was written by Jeff Glorfield. And then the rest of it I found on... Um, Encyclopedia Britannica and Uh Encyclopedia.com. So um, all of those places have really awesome information about this really cool lady. Wow. What a badass. Right? What a babe. What a babe. I love it. I love it so much. This was so nice. I'm just so excited about all the people we're going to learn about. I know. And I'm going to bring them up in conversation Dude. as often as physically possible that's my secret goal of this is that i just want to have a lot of talking points i like to talk yeah i want to learn about badass women mm-hmm. so next time i can go to a party and they're like did you know that blah, blah, blah. i'm like actually because <laughs> everybody loves the actually person Ooh, i can't um, wait to be like pushing my fake glasses back up my nose actually i read the booking people yeah wow yeah great dude this is great this was real great. I had a great time doing this. This was real great. I can't wait to do more of this. Me too. Wow. We did it. And we're also we like right it. at the perfect time. Go chronologically. Okay. Because then I think it'll be an interesting thing to look at. Like, had things changed by the time the second person was born? No, they hadn't. Mm, love it. Are we? Oh, we are. Yeah. Look at us. It's It's like we knew. Look at us go. I also really like... We should do it always with, like, whoever was born first. Kind of a downer, but, you know, it'll be good because they persevered. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. I'm so excited. We did it. Me, too. We did it. Yay. Um, okay, cool. Well. Enter cool sign-off thing here. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, eventually, like, we'll get into a rhythm and it'll be fun. It'll happen. It'll or we good. won't. And this will just be how it is. And, and we'll be a train wreck every don't. time. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two options. So, you know, I figure either one is fine. <laughs> I mean, if anybody's going to be a clunky train wreck repeatedly, it's going to be us. It would absolutely so. be us. Maybe this just is just extremely it. on brand. Okay. Well, well, do you want to do same time next Wednesday? Yes. Let us tentatively plan on that. Okay. Cool. Dope, dude. All right. Well, I love Big you. I'll call you. you next Wednesday. I love you too. I'll talk to you then. Okay. I'll tell you about a, a badass. Mm. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Love you, dude. Love you, too. Bye. Bye.